0: Welcome to Fraggle Shrock, the podcast where we read Atlas Shrugged, the classic libertarian mystery novel from 1957 by Ayn Rand, and watch episodes of Fraggle Rock, a Jim Henson Muppet TV show from the 80s. And why do we do this, you ask? Well, of course, to discover all the deep hidden connections between the two that we are absolutely convinced are there. My name is Henrik, and joining me, as always, is my co host Siegfel.
1: Hello, you randy people out there. Hello. So we're back. It's been a little while since we last recorded. We it has. Are, but we are back in full force. And oh man, what a chapter. What a chapter. Something's finally beginning to happen in Atlas Shrugged. Right? Yeah. For once more is happening in Atlas Shrugged than in Frackle Rock. What a world. What has become of the world? <laughs> Actual plot in this novel,
0: what is happening?
1: Yeah. And we are only like eighty pages in. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. So what? Ten percent? Not even.
1: Oh, I haven't got the rule out this time to measure how many millimeters into the book we are, but uh, I'm guessing around five millimeters.
0: Yeah, we're slowly slowly nearing a centimeter.
1: Yeah, it's exciting times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, should we just get into it? Let's get into the meat of it. And I've got uh, got myself a glass of wine this time. I've tried to keep drinking different beverages for every episode, and uh, this time I've hit the wine. And don't worry. It's in the evening. Oh, yes. And I am rocking uh, a black tea. Oh, you're hardcore. Oh, yes, yes. Isn't that a bit too late in the night? You know, all the caffeine and stuff.
0: Yeah, I know. It's I'm a wild person. I live on the wild side. Oh, my God. It has orange peel in it, too.
1: It's very, very exciting. You maniac. Well, on that note, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> let's get into some moist metals in Atlas Shrugged. Oh, because this
0: time, it is going to be a moist episode.
1: (laughs) Spoiler alert. It's a a very horny uh, chapter.
0: And there we lost our one listener. Wonderful. Yeah.
1: Well, see you later, (laughs) hopefully. Yes. Well, in this chapter, we sort of have what in uh, screenwriting parlance is called the inciting incident. Sort of Mm -hmm. the moment where shit gets real and the conflict is put into uh, focus. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have a lot of shorter scenes this time around, almost like a film montage at times, just hopping around from moment to moment. So the beginning of the chapter still a lot of that world-building uh, stuff that the beginning of the book has been just drawn out descriptions of people and places and rooms and angular faces and all that Lovely stuff. But then something happens. So first we have Dagny going around being Dagny. Mm -hmm. And then we have uh, a scene with James and his lover, Betty Pope. Very weird relationship they have going there, yes. Yeah, we can get more into her later. Right now we're just hitting the headlines. So at the end of this chapter, James is about to... uh, push Dagny out of the company because he finally has leverage over her because, as you may remember from the last time, Dagny had removed all valuable assets from the train line down to Mexico. And James thinks, oh, this is my chance to push her out. But then he gets the call. The call. The call. The one we've been waiting for. Mexico has nationalized the railroads and the mines, he had invested in a mine down there. It's the Mexican government's now. As Dagny called. Yeah. With her college education, she knew already. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because she sees things. She sees things. Mm-hmm. So, James freaks out. He goes to the board of directors at, at Transcontinental and says, oh, it was my idea to... Remove all valuable assets from the Mexico line, so uh, we didn't lose anything. I saved you millions of dollars, personally. I am a hero. I'm a strong white man.
0: Is this actually the first time we get to see him being somewhat of an antagonist?
1: Yeah, more than just basic assholishness. Mm-hmm. Here, he actually does something—a tiny smidge villainous, more than having a meaning in a villain lair on top of a skyscraper. Talking about dirty socialism. The worst. And we're about to get into much more of that because this moment, this watershed moment where Mexico nationalizes the railroads leads to the American uh, National Alliance of Railroads to make a drastic decision. (gasps) A union. (gasps) What could be worse? Um... They introduce what is called the anti-dog-eat-dog rule. No one wants it, but they feel they have to do it now. And what does this mysterious rule do? It forbids destructive competition through voluntary self-regulation. How evil can you be? I'm
0: sorry, are they regulating a free market?
1: No, it's voluntary (gasps) self-regulation. of destructive competition. What has the world come to when you can't even be destructively competitive anymore because you you, you rein yourself in? How fucking dare they? Why can't you just steal people's money? Yeah, why, why do we have to show a little self-control and not just destroy things? This is clearly the villains at work here. It is so fun
0: to see Dagny, like, yeah. going on to battle, being like, no. What has the world come to? We cannot cooperate. We have, to, we have to play everything out against
1: each other. Yeah. She is filled with righteous fury at, at how the world is being destroyed by these dirty socialists. Our heroic protagonist, of course, cannot accept such vile villainy as public welfare. So what does she go about and do with it? First... She goes to talk to uh, Mr. Dan Conway, who is the head of the Phoenix Durango Railroad Company, Taggart's main competitor. And he uh, he has been forced out because of the rule that says that only one company can operate in a, like certain areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, Taggart Transcontinental has the right to operate in Colorado, where the Phoenix Durango has been uh, taking over their business. But now... The leader of this railroad is resigned and ready to retire because the world is just not for people like him anymore. He is defeated by the world.
0: And what will he do? He maybe he will actually have hobbies and go
1: fishing. What has it come to? Maybe he will even read books.
0: Oh, oh, oh no, not books! <laughs> not books. By the way, I love <laughs> how this how this comes from a fucking writer. <laughs> yeah. how dare you read books <laughs> when he was saying it i was like yeah it sounds wonderful yeah you get some free time you actually yeah. get to like de- like delve into yourself after a long like hard life as a worksman
1: yeah no no this is uh this is the ultimate defeat having to read and fish and have time with your family and uh, awful stuff like that so clearly clearly the conflict has escalated at not Real stuff is at stake now. (laughs) (laughs) So the next thing that happens is Dagnia is at work as usual and then Ellis Wyatt shows up. Ellis Wyatt is the guy who is drilling oil in Colorado, who needs the transportation that the Phoenix Durango was giving them because Taggart Transcontinental's rails in that area are just... Pure shit there. Mm -hmm. They have train crashes every day, I think (laughs) it says in chapter one. Uh, But now it has to be a a transcontinental that services that area because of the anti-doggy dog -dog rule. And Ellis Wilde is furious because he uh, sees this as a personal attack on him and he gives a vague ultimatum about uh, if he doesn't get proper transportation for his dirty oil... Something is going to happen. He, he claims to he will take the world down with him if he, if he goes down. It sounds like a terrorist threat, but what do I know? But anyway, uh, Dagny has a real conflict and a real motivation and a real goal to move forward with, as all good stories have. She needs to make a new railroad in Colorado as soon as possible to service this man's... Oil drilling, otherwise, things will go to shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, of course, she has a link up to build a new railroad there because she has a deal with Hank Reardon, oh, yes. Mr. Metal himself. Mr. Metal. So this leads us to the most... Moist scene of our
0: entire stay with <laughs> yeah. this book. Uh,
1: it is, uh, the Dagnan hangwritten
0: is scene. Wettest thing I've ever read. And that, uh, that says a lot for this book.
1: Mm. Already, that says a lot. I mean, I have read the third book in Fifty Shades of Grey. I will admit that. Why did you read the third book in Fifty Shades of Grey? Not the first, not the second, just the third. I wanted to know how it ended. I guess. <laughs> I don't. So, how did it end? Spoiler alert. Uh, poorly. I can't, really can't remember, actually. <laughs> you
0: must be some sort of literary masochist.
1: Yeah, I'm reading Atlas Shrugged. What do you think? Uh, why did you get me into this? Again? <laughs> because I'm both a sadist and a masochist. Clearly. Yeah. So uh, so let's go into the last scene. In the last scene, Dagny goes to see Mr. Hank Riordan, Mr. Moist Metals, because she needs those metal rails faster. And he agrees to uh, work faster for a higher price, and then they have a delicious mindfuck over how marvelous his muscle is. Mm-hmm.
0: They have a titaté in basically neo-capitalism.
1: Well, yeah, it's the most flirtatious negotiation process I've witnessed.
0: Like I can imagine because I can I can already say now this wasn't a particular turn on for me but i guess there must be some people reading this book where it had, this is the the most turned on they will ever get in their lives because
1: oh yeah like
0: uh, i think she found a niche here a very particular niche
1: like those uh, libertarians they are rock hard when they read this they are metal hard <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh yeah
1: not even metal hard but reared and metal hard oh yeah Something's getting railed, that's for sure. Oh, but
0: let's just, because we talked about how we're going to gonna go about yeah. doing this, and we're actually going to do an extended version of our Fifty Shades of Gold this time.
1: Yeah, very, very extended, because we read that last scene and we both thought uh, it, it's all too good. Literally any part of that scene would qualify as a Fifty Shades of Gold section, mm-hmm. but it's all just so brilliantly moist that we can't really cut anything from it so what
0: we're going to do is we're basically going to read the entire scene out loud
1: oh yeah strap in because this
0: <laughs> is about to get horny up in here this is a train ride you will never forget
1: oh yeah get your ticket to ride
0: <laughs> <laughs> Woo. on that note i think i'll delve into the fraggles episode and then we'll don't worry listener we'll get we'll get there soon we'll get there soon yeah. but uh, before that let's let's delve into the fraggle episode Yes, we're on episode four this time. The episode title is You Cannot Do That Without a Hat. Um, So in this episode, like in many episodes, we have to get, like, Boober has to help Gobo get a postcard because we have to get the the daily postcard from the uncle to see what's up in the human side of the world. But he almost, like, Gobo gets almost eaten by Sprocket because Boober is too afraid to actually, (laughs) like, uh, notify him of the dog. So he cannot, he cannot whistle. He's so afraid that he cannot whistle. Because Boober is, is a bit of a scared little boy. Yeah. So he feels really bad now. So what does a person do when you feel like a worthless coward? Of course, you go and see the wonderful trash heap. The trash heap. And I was over the moon when I saw this was mentioned like five minutes into the episode. Yes, we're finally going to see the drag queen of the Fraggle Rock,
1: the ever wonderful trash heap. Yeah. And she's amazing as always.
0: She's amazing as always, singing the song, always wear a hat. <laughs>
1: because,
0: because what is the advice from the trash heap after you try tried to run to her and actually like, almost sacrificed your, your entire life to the fucking monsters out there? <laughs> always wear a hat.
1: It's just <laughs> that is how you are daring and brave and bold. So uh, so we get
0: a little song from her, and uh, and Boober is now daring and great and bold because he can now wear a hat. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, Boober has always worn a hat. But,
1: mm. uh, <laughs> so, nothing has really changed except his attitude. Yes.
0: And that's all well and nice, until Boober, of course, with his new found swagger and bravado, loses his hat <laughs> because he's challenging a trumpet-like monster
1: uh, <laughs> in Fraggle Rock. Yeah. In this episode, we learned that there are some really weird creatures lurking about in that fraggle rock cave. <laughs> um,
0: and also, that like, he, was, he was clearly insulting that poor creature. And of course, it, it got mad at him and like blew his horn at him. <laughs> so I, I think it's fair. <laughs> he was an asshole. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm on the trumpet monster side there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Bubba uh, so gets really sad. But uh, of, of course, Mookie uh, tries to cheer him up by making him a new hat. But before that, uh, I, I, I want to go into one thing. Uh, Buber basically thinks his life is ruined. Mm-hmm. And he expresses this in a way where he thinks his life is, is uh, ruined. But the other Fraggles come up with a brilliant idea of holding a meeting. And apparently all the Fraggles love meetings. like They're very business-minded. Except Buber. <laughs> Except Boober, because he says, and I quote, My life is ruined and they call a meeting... It's a cruel business.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not get into the Randian sentences just yet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Just a little teaser there. <laughs> um, so what happened is that it is, uh, it's is—it's apparently a dooser who mistakenly stole his hat, or a hat got flipped on the dooser, and now it can't see anything. So it just walks around aimlessly with this hat on, uh, which basically makes... Boober's life a mess, but also all the doozers now can't build their buildings because they're missing an integral doozer, du- uh, Apparently, yeah. And then, then of course, the the entire episode basically ends with um, with Boober getting his hat back.
1: But the uh, yeah. Well, he goes back to see the trash heap again, and then for some reason the dozer with the hat ascended ended in the Gork garden. Oh
0: yeah, that's right. I also noticed the thing here. Yeah, that that's right. It. It goes into the Gork garden, and then they go into the gawk garden again to see the trash heap again, but then they manage to outrun the monsters, and then he basically learns that even though he has his hat, he can be brave without his hat,
1: right? Yeah, because he, uh, he, he tricks the gawk so it looks away so that they can run away, but he doesn't have his hat there, so he learns, oh, I can be brave without my hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they sing a really confusing song. Because I, I was really not sure whether that at all was the point. Yes. It was something like, uh, you don't know how it tastes until you try. You don't know how to laugh until you cry. You don't know where you've been until you've been homeward bound. And you don't know what you've lost until it's found. But he knew he his, his, his lost his hat. It, it wasn't the question what he'd lost. But he must be like, he didn't
0: know the value of the hat. But he knew the value of that. Like, yeah. he
1: didn't know the value of the hat
0: before he went to the trash heap, and then he knew the value of the hat, and then he lost it.
1: Yeah, and his final words is that he learns that he's free of his hat, and then he throws it in the air. So uh, I I think the Fraggles don't know what they've learned. (laughs) The morality is a bit gray this time. Yeah, it's it's confusing, because he, he learns that he's free of his hat, but Mark my words, I'm pretty sure he'll have his hat back. Uh, He'll be enslaved by it again next week. (laughs) Yes, I'm pretty sure. Enslaved by his own fright and his own hat. Let's just
0: quickly, before we we jump into our our moist metal, uh, let's just quickly uh, check in with Doc and Spocket.
1: Oh, yeah, because they were up to shit as well. Because Doc is
0: is building a tool to scrape the bottom of a barrel. (laughs) Very fitting. And he built this tool... By smacking about, what was, what was it? Like hundreds of nails yeah. into some kind of broomstick device. And you can just see Sprocket basically getting PTSD by hearing him smacking and smacking these nails into this uh, wood. Yeah. You really see the dog almost breaking in this episode. It's, it's uh, really sad because then he, he Sprocket
1: loses uh, some kind of valuable tool as part of building this tool. But is is it even Sprocket that loses it? Isn't that just I think Duck drops it. The freckle takes it, and then Duck just tells Sprocket to find the find the tool, or you won't get any treats. I, I'm really feeling sorry for Sprocket uh, this time around. He has it. He has. It. Yeah, because it's, it's
0: terrible. It's not even resolved at the end. No, no, because it's so terrible. Because the dog comes home and then like sprocket can't get more treats before he found this tool right Mm. and then he comes home and says i have bought you this delicious this delicious bone and the sprocket is over the moon but no 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 he can't have it before finding this tool so he like manically searches the entire garage for this tool and cannot find it it's really sad for this poor poor dog and then the the entire thing ends with the dog having to hear the dog cleaning
1: out this barrel with basically all the nails scratching the hardwood inside the barrel. <laughs> yeah, because he makes the barrel scraper without the tool, but doesn't that doesn't resolve anything because he still wants the tool from Sprocket who doesn't have it because it's in the Fraggle Cave. Yes, so it just ends there <laughs> with
0: Sprocket not getting his treats. Yeah, I think I think we're slowly going into to a subplot of Sprocket getting PTSD. Yeah, and I think it it starts here, and the poor dog
1: is gonna is gonna break. It's actual animal abuse. Quite quite heavy for a children's show.
0: Quite an episode this time around.
1: Yeah. Well, this is also the... We learn a lot about the fraggle world here. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, they show a weird tendency to, uh, to have tribal chants. Oh, yes. I almost forgot that. Cause one thing is that... The gobo just yells out something, hey, "Hello!" Dingling, bang, 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 They all join into some weird uh, magic spell. Mm-hmm. And later on, when they're going to have the meeting, they just freckle, 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 freckle as they walk.
0: It's, it's slowly becoming a cult at this point.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. we are learning that it's been a cult all along. And, and apparently, Boober is the only one who's who has, who's sane. Yeah, he's the whistleblower. He's the he's the guy trying to break out of Scientology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, fragology (laughs) Fragology
0: But um, let's not keep the listeners waiting anymore
1: Are you ready to to wear into a little moist reading? Oh yeah, not 49 shades, not 51, but exactly 50 shades of gold Yes Okay, are, are we ready for this? We are ready
0: That's the story, Hank I had worked out an almost impossible schedule to complete the Rio Norte line in 12 months. Now, I'll have to do it in nine. You were to give us the rail over a period of one year. Can you give it to us within nine months? If there's any human way to do it, do it. If not, I'll have to find some other means to finish it."
1: Riordan sat behind his desk. His cold blue eyes made two horizontal cuts across the gaunt planes of his face. They remained horizontal, impassively half closed. He said evenly without emphasis, I'll do it. Daphne leaned back
0: into her chair. The short sentence was a shock. It was not merely relief. It was the sudden realization that nothing else was necessary to guarantee that it would be done. She needed no proofs, no questions, no explanations. A complex problem could rest safely on the three syllables pronounced by a man who knew what he was saying.
1: Don't show that you are relieved. His voice was mocking. Not too obviously. His narrowed eyes were watching her with an unrevealing smile. I might think that I hold Taggart Transcontinental in my power. You know that anyway. I do, and I intend to make you pay for it.
0: I expect to. How much?
1: Twenty dollars extra per ton on the balance of the order delivered after today.
0: Pretty steep, Hank. Is that the best price you can give me?
1: No, but that's the one I'm going to get. I could ask twice that and you'd pay it. Yes, I would, but you won't. Why won't I? Because you need to
0: have the Rio Norte line built. It's your first showcase for Riordan Metal.
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's right. I like to deal with somebody who has no illusions about getting favors. Do
0: you know what made me feel relieved when you decided to take advantage of it? What? That I was dealing for once with somebody who doesn't pretend
1: to give favors. His smile had a discernible quality now. It was enjoyment. You always played open, don't you? He asked.
0: I never noticed you doing otherwise.
1: I thought I was the only one who could afford to.
0: I'm not broke in that sense, Hank.
1: I think I'm going to break you someday in that sense. Why? I've always wanted to. Do you
0: have enough cowards around you?
1: That's why I'd enjoy trying it. Because you're the only exception. So you think it's right that I should squeeze every penny of profit I can out of your emergency?
0: Certainly. I'm not a fool. I don't think you're in business for my convenience.
1: Don't you wish I were?
0: I'm not a butcher, Hank.
1: Aren't you going to find it hard to pay?
0: That's my problem. Not yours. I
1: won't. $20 extra per ton? Okay, heck. Fine, you'll get the rail. I may get my exorbitant profit, or Taggart Transcontinental may crash before I collect.
0: She said without smiling. If I don't get that line built in nine months, Taggart Transcontinental will crash.
1: It won't, as long as you run it. When he did not smile, his face looked inanimate, only his eyes remained alive, active, with a cold, brilliant clarity of perception. But what he was made to feel by the things he perceived, no one would be permitted to know, she thought, perhaps not even himself. They've done their best to make it harder for you, haven't they?
0: Yes. I was counting on Colorado to save the Tagged system. Now, it's up to me to save Colorado. Nine months from now, Dan Conway will close his road. If mine isn't ready, it won't be any use finishing it. You can't leave those men without transportation for a single day, let alone a week or a month. At this rate, they've been growing. You can't stop them dead and then expect them to continue. It's like slamming brakes on an engine going two hundred miles an hour. I know. I can run a good railroad. I can't run it across a continent of sharecroppers who are not good enough to throw turnips successfully. I've got to have men like Ellis Wyatt to produce something to fill the trains I run. So I got to give him a train and a track nine months from now. I have to blast all the rest of us into hell
1: to do it." He smiled, amused. You feel very strongly about it, don't you? Don't you? He would not answer, but merely held the smile.
0: Aren't you concerned about it? She asked, almost angrily. No. Then you don't realize
1: what it means? I realize that I'm going to get the rail rolled and you're going to get the track laid in nine months.
0: She smiled, relaxing, warily and a little guilty. Yes, I know we will. I know it's useless. Getting angry at people like Jim and his friends? We haven't any time for it. First, I have to undo what they've done. Then, afterwards... She stopped, wondering, shook her head and shrugged. Afterwards, they
1: won't matter. That's right, they won't. When I heard about that anti-dog-eat-dog business, it made me sick. But don't worry about the goddamn bastards. The two words sounded shockingly violent because his face and voice remained calm. You and I will always be there to save the country from the consequences of their actions. He got up. He sat pacing the office. Colorado isn't going to be stopped. You will pull it through. Then Dan Conway will be back and others. All that lunacy is temporary. It can't last. It's demented, so it has to defeat itself. You and I will just have to work a little hard for a while, that's
0: all. She watched his tall figure moving across the office. The office suited him. It contained nothing but a few pieces of furniture that he needed. All of them harshly, simple down to their essential, pure pose. All of them exorbitantly expensive in the quality of materials and skill of design. The room looked like a motor, a motor held within the glass case of broad windows. But she noticed one astonishing detail. A vase of jade that stood on top of a filing cabinet. The vase was a solid dark green stone carved into plain surfaces. The texture of its smooth curves provoked an irresistible desire to touch it. It seemed startling in that office Incongruous with the sternness of the rest. It was a touch
1: of sensuality. Colorado is a great place, he said. It's going to be the greatest in the country. You're not sure that I'm concerned about it? That state's becoming one of my best customers, as you ought to know if you take time to read the reports on your freight traffic. I know. I read them been thinking about building a plant there in a few years. To save them your transportation charges, he glanced at her. You'll lose an awful lot of steel freight if I do.
0: Go ahead. I'll be satisfied with carrying your supplies and the groceries for your workers and the fright of the factories that will follow you there. And perhaps... I won't have time to notice that I've lost your steel. What are you laughing at?
1: (laughs) It's wonderful. What? The way you don't react as everybody else does nowadays.
0: Still, I must admit that for the time being, you're the most important single shipper of Taggart Transcontinental.
1: Don't you suppose I know it?
0: So, I can't understand why, Jim, she
1: stopped tries his best to harm my business because your brother Jim is a fool.
0: He is. But it's more than that. There's something worse than stupidity about it.
1: Don't waste time trying to figure him out. Let him spit. He's no danger to anyone. People like Jim Taggart just clutter up the world. I suppose so. Incidentally, what would you have done if I had said I couldn't deliver your rails sooner.
0: I would have torn up sidings or closed some branch line. Any branch line. I would have used the rails to finish the Rio Norte track on time.
1: (laughs) He chuckled. That's why I'm not worried about Saget Transcontinental. But you won't have to start getting rail out of old sidings. Not so long as I'm in business.
0: She thought, suddenly, that she was wrong about the lack of emotion. The hidden undertone of his manner was enjoyment. She realized that she had always felt the sense of light-hearted relaxation in his presence and known that he shared it. He was the only man she knew to whom she could speak without strain or effort. This, she thought, was a mind she respected an adversary worth matching. Yet, there had always been an odd sense of distance between them, the sense of closed door. There was an impersonal quality in his manner, something within him that could not be
1: reached. He had stopped at the window. He stood for a moment, looking out. Do you know that the first load of rail is being delivered to you today? <laughs> okay. yes, yes. Do you know that the first load of rail is being delivered to you? <laughs>
0: Jesus fucking Christ We have to do this
1: We have to do this Do you know that the first load of rail is being delivered to you today? He asked
0: Of course, I know it
1: Come here She
0: approached him He pointed silently, far in the distance Beyond the mill structures She saw a string of gondolas waiting on a siding. The bridge of an overheard crane cut the sky above them. The crane was moving. It, its huge magnet held a load of rails glued to a disc by the sole power of contact. There was no trace of sun in the grey spread of clouds, yet the rails glistened as if the metal caught light out of space. The metal was greenish-blue. The great chain stopped over a car, descended, jerked in a brief spasm, and left the rails in the car. The crane moved back in a majestic indifference. It looked like a giant drawing of a geometrical theorem moving
1: above the men and the earth. They stood at the window, watching silently, intently. She did not speak until another load of green-blue metal came moving across the sky. Then the first words she said were not about rail, track, or an order completed on time. She said as if greeting a new phenomenon of nature.
0: Red and metal.
1: He noticed that, but said nothing. He glanced at her, then turned back to the window. Hank, this is great. Yes. He said it simply, openly. There was no flattered pleasure in his voice and no modesty. This, she knew, was a tribute to her. The rarest one person could pay another. The tribute of feeling free to acknowledge one's own greatness, knowing that it is understood. She said,
0: when I think of what metal can do, what it will make possible. Hank, this is the most important thing happening in the world today, and none of them know it. We know it. They did not look at each other. They stood watching the crane. On the front of the locomotive in the distance, she could distinguish the letters T. She could distinguish the rails of the busiest industrial siding in the tagged system. As soon as I can find a plant able to do it, she said, I'm going to order diesels made of reared and metal.
1: You will need them. How fast do you run your trains on the Rio Norte line?
0: Now, we're lucky if we manage to make 20 miles an hour.
1: He pointed at the cars. When the rail is laid, you'll be able to run trains at 250 if you wish.
0: I will, in a few years. When we'll have cars of reared and metal, which will be half the weight of steel and twice as safe.
1: You'll have to look out for the airlines. We're working on a plane of reared metal. It will weigh practically nothing and lift anything, you'll see the day of long haul, heavy freight, air traffic.
0: I've been thinking of what that metal will do for motors, any motors and what sort of thing one can design now. Have you thought
1: of what it will do for chicken wire? Just plain chicken wire fences made of rearden metal that will cost a few pennies a mile and last two hundred years. And kitchenware that will be bought at the dime store and passed on from generation to generation. And ocean liners that one won't be able to dent with a torpedo.
0: Did I tell you? That I'm having tests made of communications wire of and metal?
1: I am making so many tests that I'll never get through showing people what can be done with it and how to do it. They spoke of the metal and of possibilities
0: which they could not exhaust. It was as if they were standing on a mountaintop seeing a limitless plain below and roads open in all directions. But they merely spoke of mathematical figures of weights, pressures, resistances, costs. She had forgotten her brother and his national alliance. She had forgotten every problem, person and event behind her. They had always been clouded in her sight. To be hurried past, to be brushed aside, never final, never quite real. This was reality she thought this sense of clear outlines of purpose of lightness of hope this was the way she had expected to live she had wanted to spend no hour and take no action that would mean less than this she looked at him in the exact moment when he turned to look at her they stood very close to each other she saw in his eyes that he felt as she did if joy is the aim and the core of existence, she thought, and if that which has the power to give one joy is always guarded as one's deepest secret, then they had seen each other naked in that moment.
1: He made a step back and said in a strange tone of dispassionate wonder, We're a couple of blackguards, aren't we? Why? We haven't any spiritual goals or qualities. All we're after is material things. That's all we care for. She looked at him,
0: unable to understand. But he was looking past her, straight ahead at the crane in the distance. She wished he had not said it. The accusation did not trouble her. She never thought of herself in such terms and she was completely incapable of experiencing a feeling of fundamental guilt. But she felt a vague apprehension which she could not define. The suggestion that there was something of grave consequence in whatever had made him say it. Something dangerous to him. He had not said it casually. But there had been no feeling in his voice, neither plea nor shame. He had said it indifferently as a statement of fact.
1: Then, as you watched him, the apprehension vanished. He was looking at his mills beyond the window. There was no guilt in his face, no doubt. Nothing but the calm of an inviolate self-confidence. Dagny, he said. Whatever we are, it's we who move the world, and it's we who'll pull it through. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so that's what this book is like. <laughs> Ooh, we'll
0: just let that linger for a while. It got, it got a bit sweaty up in here, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I need another another glass of wine here. Ooh. Ooh. <clears throat> Luckily, I have a big box of it. as one should.
0: I think you made the right call by choosing wine for today. Yeah. I think the the tea doesn't
1: do this chapter justice at all. No. A romantic drink for a romantic capitalist rant. It's uh, wow. <laughs>
0: <laughs> like I've heard it like I've heard the audiobook version of it once, but this is Oh
1: this how is, is that? <laughs> it
0: was it was it was a bit moist, but not as moist as this. <laughs>
1: You can't make this dry. It simply can't be done.
0: It's so overacted. It's it's like 180 kilometers all the time.
1: Yeah. Uh, How was this published? I have no idea. How did no one
0: cut this out? It's just pure masturbation.
1: Yeah. It's insane.
0: Also, the way, like the line where you cracked about how the how the beams are entering the car. It's just fucking hell
1: i just couldn't keep it together anymore
0: it's just penetration
1: oh my god
0: yes i was glad we took this entire chapter it, it, we really couldn't cut in this it was,
1: yeah this uh, deserved to, to stand. this is
0: going to be a long podcast but for the sake of it like we, we might put in the time code when this begins and ends so listeners can just skip through it if they wish but i would definitely suggest listening to it all the way through
1: yeah, I mean, you, you owe it to yourself. You've earned it, buddy. You've earned it.
0: Yes. Do you think we'll get into weird copyright territory with the reading except from this
1: book, by the way? I kind of hope so. Yeah? I, I want to be in a deep legal battle with the Ayn Rand Institute for the rest of my life. Because I think the problem
0: is that the supporters of the Ayn Rand Institute tend to be like money bags. So I think we'll
1: basically get sued into oblivion the second we try something. If that's how I'm going down, I'll take the world <laughs> with me. <laughs> I'll do what Ellis Wyatt. One moist sentence at a time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they sue me, I will personally read the entire book aloud.
0: I think we should do this as a like, counter-sue. This would just be our defense. <laughs> it would just yeah. be us <laughs> reading the entire thousand pages in court.
1: <laughs> yeah, now I want to get sued. Uh, yes. But on the other hand, that would... I would take a lot of wine to get through that. (laughs) Fucking hell. All right, should we get back to the regularly scheduled? Yes, let's try.
0: So, do we see any obvious connections between the two this time around?
1: Well, uh, I found one. Um, They both have a grand meeting where the majority goes against the needs and desires of the story's main character. Mm hmm. It's it's a curious uh, scene to have in both stories. No, it's a curious overlap here. And of course, there's the ever-present risk of Dagny being a fraggle. But although there's not that much making her fraggly in this time around, she's definitely hinting at her not being a human being (laughs) very strongly. (laughs) Her
0: aversions against anything relating to emotions is (laughs) problematic,
1: at least. I mean, let me just uh, just uh, quote a few sentences here. If that is the price of getting together, then I'll be damned if I want to live on the same earth with any human beings. <laughs> Not any other human beings, just any human <laughs> beings. <laughs> any human beings, yeah, yeah, yeah. That hints that that's some hint. Also, if there's any human way to do it, do it. If not, I'll have to find some other means to finish it. So if there's not a human way to do it, she'll handle it. She's already like beginning to get into her own
0: weird existence outside the human spectrum.
1: Yeah, she's definitely leaving humankind behind if she ever really were a part of it. But maybe she's... Uh, literally not a human or maybe she's just a sociopath because there's that sentence of she was completely incapable of experiencing a feeling of fundamental guilt. Mm -hmm. Maybe a sociopathic fraggle. So could we, could we look at the fraggles right now
0: and maybe find a fraggle at least in in this episode of the fraggles
1: that, that reminds us most of Dakin. I mean, I think still red. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Because she she's the one fraggle that acts really immorally as well. It's a brief moment, but she's going out to uh, explore, looking for Booba's hat along with Wembley, the yellow fraggle, and then he, she sort of just pushes Wembley into the duck's uh, room, saying, "Hey, oh, Wembley, come over here. You go in there. Why me? Because you're closest." But she oh, yeah, the- pushed him closer. So uh, she clearly hasn't learned her lesson from the last time. The little switcheroo she pulled there was...
0: It was something Daphne
1: could have pulled. Yeah, and uh, this is Red after all. She had the whole Daphne song last time around. By the way, is Daphne going to push someone into train tracks at some
0: point? I would be shocked if she didn't. She must kill someone with a train at some point. (laughs) Yeah. Hank Reardon's moist train
1: just rolling over someone. (laughs) I mean, can, can we also just address how horny she was for that vase? <laughs> oh, that vase? That green vase? Ooh, <laughs> that sensual green vase? A resistible desire to touch it. It was a touch of sensuality. I mean, she's just generally really thirsty Old chapter. <laughs> yes, but that goes for Hank too. Like, it's a mutual thing. Yeah, but all chapter, right from the beginning. For once, she wanted to feel herself carried by the power of someone else's achievement. She lay half stretched across the corner of a couch, her body relaxed and still, but tension stressed the shape of her mouth and on her motionless face, a sensual shape drawn in lines of longing.
0: I think when she finds herself in a version, basically like the underdog. Mm-hmm. That gets that just gets her on
1: instantly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's a turn on for her.
0: Because after all, it's a eat dog world out there. Oh yeah,
1: and she will not stand until the anti doggy dog rule is repealed. Because she wants that world. she wants that rough doggy yeah. dog world. She wants to get railed.
0: <laughs> she oh, she wants the railing. <laughs> just lay down some tracks and rail all night, baby. Oh God. Whew.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: So can we, can we slowly go
1: into the woke segment here? <laughs> I mean, I think we, uh, we are sort of crossing some boundaries in our talk, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are definitely not uh, uh, family friendly.
0: <laughs> but, but was that ever the goal here?
1: <laughs> no, no, I don't think so.
0: When I'm done with this book, I can only like, get turned on if I hear the sound of metal. Yeah, you, you need an economic lecture to yes. even get it up. Just read a business magazine just to get the juices going. <laughs> <laughs> so the wokeness in this episode, there was not a lot of wokeness, is there? Well,
1: it was not too bad. I mean, Atlas Shrugged still hasn't passed the Bechdel test, and Fraggle Rock isn't passing it this time around. And by the way, the Bechdel test is... Uh, Two female characters with names talking to each other about something other than a man. Mm -hmm. And no surprise, doesn't happen. No. Um, We do have something that may be racist in Atlas Shrugged. How so? Depends on how you uh, look at it. This is the sentence. Is it going to be taken by a bunch of Greaser politicians with a decree... So greaser is a slur for Latin Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I, I'd like to think that they mean it in the fancy kind of way, like uh, rock and roll, leather jacket, biker, cool guys, you know, like a greaser. Yeah. I hope they mean that.
0: But isn't it also like greasing up, like in that in that kind of sense, like a politician that is susceptible to
1: basically bribing? Well, it is capitalized and it is Mexicans that he's referring to. <laughs> uh, it's probably racist. Yeah, but uh, I'll I'll give her the benefit of the doubt and picture fancy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we, I think we should do that. Yeah.
0: Uh, just after after her writing this chapter, I think she needs a bit of a leeway.
1: Yeah, she she, she clearly had other things on her mind.
0: <laughs> oh, she had.
1: Oh, the poor the poor Iron Rand. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure she got off after writing this. Don't worry. Uh, this
0: book. I know it's a, it's, a, it's a copy that's printed like 50 years after her death or 50 years after the novel came out, but it still feels greasy to read. Like it's, the pages feel moist.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she so thoroughly moistened the papers that even other editions haven't dried yet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God bless her. Or money bless her, I guess. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, the dialogue bless her.
0: Um, so the award season, let's go into it. So,
1: first off... The most fracklian sentence. Yeah. Well, I have two that they aren't amazing, but I needed something. Mm -hmm. So, first off, who's to decide which way we take unless it's the majority?
0: It's how the Fraggles live their lives. Yes, I can see
1: it. Yeah. And also, a short one. Mm -hmm. I love shish kebab. (laughs) <laughs> i could go with that one like it's it's silly i'm pretty sure the fraggles would love shish kebab <laughs>
0: They were, oh they would it's shish kebab made of dozer structures
1: yeah <laughs> or dozers maybe <laughs> Doses roasted and dozer constructions <laughs> <laughs> it gets dark in season three i can
0: already feel it yeah, yeah yeah okay so should we just um go for the most randian sentence because there are a few yeah I, I can I can start with the, the two of mine. Yep. Um, my life is ruined, and they call a meeting. It's cruel business, the one sentence we mentioned before. Because I think that's very oh, yeah. Randian.
1: I had that one as well, from
0: Booba. And then we have a, a sentence from Uncle Matt saying, If there's one thing I learned in this bizarre world, it's that treasures come and
1: treasures go. Also very Randian. Mm-hmm. So uh, here's... Uh, gobo saying but i struggled through which Mm -hmm. yeah that could be something dagny had said yeah and this is something they all could have said about the moist metal Mm -hmm. which comes from uncle traveling Matt. it was soft to the touch and smelled fantastic
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i think in the spirit of this episode I would be okay with going with that sentence. (laughs) It's just to to finish the...
1: It's kind of erotic, but also Mm -hmm. I think maybe the boober one with the cruel business is also really kind of fitting.
0: My life is ruined and they call a
1: meeting. It's a cruel business. (laughs) Because they both have the meeting this time around and it it should almost be that one, shouldn't it? Oh yeah, I can see see the bridge between
0: the two episodes, actually.
1: Oh, Um, let's take both of them because
0: it's it's our podcast, we can do whatever the fuck we want, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's just break all the rules.
1: <laughs> We've already done a twenty minute a reading from the book. We are breaking the rules this time, and the fourth wall yeah breaking everything, so best phrase or word do we have something so uh this uh just this phrasing here, pity or charity or any ugly reason like that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, um, well, the, the context is Dagny leaned back in her chair. The short sentence was a shock. I just mean any short sentence in Ayn Rand's writing is indeed shocking.
0: So here, so here we have a bit of a meta element of her commenting on herself, basically.
1: Yeah. It is about Ayn Rand's writing. The short sentence was a shock.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's good. That's a, that's a good one.
1: And the last one is just a single word. "moocha. Because this will return, I know.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not a moocher.
1: And uh, this is the first use. This is the introduction of this word, which I looked up and is defined as a person who lives off others without giving anything in return. I would then be
0: okay with giving this best word this time around on the merit of it actually being groundbreaking in the Ayn Rand (laughs) universe. (laughs) <laughs> to Moocha. To Mucha.
1: Freckle best sentence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is Mookie to Booba. It takes a very brave freckle to admit he's a worthless coward. <laughs> yes. And uh, this one takes some uh, context, but Gobo says, I knew these deuces were good for something. This is after we learn of the very violent nature of the frackles as Mokki's first reaction when seeing a strange new object is to bang it on a deuce and see if it makes a sound. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so they have a violent yet musical streak. They have a
0: problematic relationship with those doosers. Oh,
1: yeah. Very. I mean, we do learn, and an, well, it's troubling, really, because mm-hmm. in this episode, just it's very brief, but we learn that the doosers and the fraggles understand each other. They speak the same language. Uh-huh. In just one of the final moments, a doozer walks in, just that, that doozer with the hat, just says, oh, blah, blah, blah. And they laugh, the fraggles. They can communicate. <laughs> how, how are they not uh, forming some sort of uh, of, of uh, union between them? Yeah. How are they not uh, establishing lines of communication between the tribes? And and, and why are the doozers not rebelling? Ooh. The fraggles are just... Eating their structures. Yeah. Committing vandalism and violence against them. It's like a maybe it's colonialism.
0: Maybe it's a doggy dog world. Oh.
1: We need anti-doggy dog rules in the Fraggle Rock.
0: We need to have some goddamn regulations down at the
1: Fraggle Rock. Yeah. We need socialism. <laughs> These dirty capitalist fraggles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. How how will they survive without the power struggles? Yeah. So so those two were my nominations for this. <laughs> race yes oh
0: i think we go with the daughter one
1: yeah all right so best character best character for Adler shrugged i mean uh we haven't really touched on her yet not in that way we haven't discussed her mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. the interest of staying woke <laughs> betty pope yeah james taggart's uh girlfriend lover um She's described as quite unappealing in Mm -hmm. a very Randian way. (laughs) (laughs) Keep in mind all the loose skin and, and, and like, gaunt and tall and jangly people we've met so far. And then listen to this.
0: And again, with, like, Ayn Rand with her body shaming. She has
1: issues. Oh, she has issues. Oh, yeah. So... Betty Pope was a lanky girl, all bones and loose joints that did not move smoothly. She had a homely face, a bad complexion, and a look of impertinent condescension derived from the fact that she belonged to one of the best families. And she has the gall, the gall to say when she sees James there in the morning, You look unappetizing this morning. You look like a snail. I like that, burn. That's a wonderful thing to say to someone. (laughs) And she she is right with the description of him being in his wrinkled Mm -hmm. pajamas, barefooted, too much trouble looking for his slippers, and just inside his skull feeling the nasty heaviness, which is about to become a headache, just (laughs) angrily stumbling around. (laughs) I strangely like her for just calling the bullshit for what it is. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's... uh, She's a character. She's sort of the quintessential dumb high society girl. hmm I mean, she says this. There's a quote. I don't want to go home, she said with no particular feeling. I hate morning. Here's another day and nothing to do. I got a tea session on for this afternoon at Liz Blaine's. Oh, well, it might be fun because Liz is a bitch. <laughs> this is a bitch. <laughs> Liz is a bitch. This is written in the 50s, people. It sounds like it's a high school girl.
0: (laughs) I I, I call it best character for her. Yeah.
1: I mean, she's the one who loves kebab. (laughs) (laughs) That's a defining characteristic. The only thing she expresses a preference for. She loves kebab, hates Dagny Taggart. All else is indifference to her. All wonderful character traits. Yeah. So she deserves a medal. <laughs> because I'm like her, I'm like her, I like kebab and don't like Dagny Zagitt.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. So um so the best character in the Fraggle universe, I'm already gonna call it. We said it. If the trash heap shows up again, yeah. uh, we'll give it to her. It's the trash heap. It's the trash it's always the trash heap. She's earned it. The drag queen of the Fraggle
1: Universe. With her fucking
0: glasses this time around, looking at the oh.
1: Fucking love that. And those goddamn uh, hype men are the best as well. <laughs> I just want to be the trash heap.
0: I just want to...
1: I want to be one of those hype men. <laughs> I mean, once again, we get a harmonica solo. Oh, yeah, quite epic harmonica solo, actually. Yeah, I just want to sit next to a trashy drag queen and play harmonica. Who doesn't, like, fucking yeah. hell?
0: I really, really, really hope she will be like continuously showing up while we watch this show. She's a little ray of sunshine every single
1: time she shows up. It seems like she's a recurring character. We've gotten her twice in four episodes, so I'm pretty sure she's uh, she's part of the group. Mm-hmm. I just I, I hope she's just a character they pull in when they don't
0: know what to do, and she resolves a conflict by like <laughs> spouting nonsense, and then they're like, oh yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah! Of course, the nonsense, and you can see, like the two, the two hype men, like for a moment realizing this is absolute nonsense, but they still go with it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. you're yeah. a
0: hat. Yes,
1: yes, a hat.
0: Hats important.
1: Then <laughs> they say, "You know, Marjorie, because that's the name, apparently." You know, Marjorie, That makes a lot of sense. It does. <laughs> no, but we'll sell it for you. <laughs> and then they sing, and they sell it. Oh, they have a wonderful relationship, the three of them. A great thrubble there.
0: A great throuple, indeed. (laughs) What a wonderful modern society. Um, (laughs) Are we slowly nearing
1: an outro here? Yeah, I think we're about done. I think I'm about done. I'm, like, sweaty and tired at this point. Yeah, that reading took a lot out out of us. So, just the title for this time. What do you think? The title for this time? Moochers and Deuces. What about that?
0: Mooches and deuces. I think that's a pretty good title. Just about sums it up. Mm-hmm. On that note,
1: thank you and fuck you for this project. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you and uh, I'm amazed that you uh that you volunteered to come along on this journey that absolutely nobody should take. <laughs> I did not know what I signed up for. <laughs> it's like going to Colorado. It's a journey nobody should take. We're out. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> bye. This podcast is produced by Monegale Media, a small and independent Danish media collective. If you want to learn more about this podcast and our other projects, visit our website at maanegal.dk, that is Monegale, with two A's up front, .dk. At the moment most of our stuff is in Danish, but we are looking to expand our selection in English in the future, so you know, stay tuned to the madness.